Thank you for double-clicking your mouse tonight. You're listening to the Midnight Frightcast in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Midnight Frightcast. It's a bonus episode, and I'm doing uh, two of my favorite things. We're drinking wine. I'm hanging out with awesome women, and we're ready to fucking go. We got this? All right. All right. I'm Maddie. We've got over in the corner the guy who likes to watch, and he's watching today. Yay. <laughs> I see you, man. I totally see you. Across the table, we got Patrick. I'm just getting the boring ones out of the way first. Well, since you introduced me, I'm going to have to say, hey, everybody, how's it going? Uh, and I'm going to introduce our two very, very special guests. We have Lisa and we got Dorothy. And we're going to rock this out. It is Women in Horror Month. We're a tiny bit late. At least we're not your period. Everyone's signed off right now, but that's fine. So, first off, thank you guys so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. This is probably one of my favorite casts that we do, although we've only done it twice. That's that's legit, though. But um, I'm going to have you guys go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us what you do. And we'll just start off from there, Lisa. All right. My name's Lisa Cavanda. And I'm a screenwriter predominantly, but uh, with the encouragement of the local uh, film community, I've been branching out more into actual filmmaking itself. So sitting across from someone that I uh, absolutely admire who uh, kind of paved the way in Nebraska as far as female directors. So yay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's got to be more, though. Like, tell me some more about what Uh, your awesomeness. What is my awesomeness? Gosh, I write books, um, written a couple true stories, uh, won some awards, and that's always fun. Um, I'm also a representative, uh, ambassador for neuromyelitis optica spectrum disorder. That's a big nasty word, but it's a rare uh, neuroimmune disorder similar to MS. Only MS meds would probably kill me, so it's kind of really important for our doctors to know the difference. So all about... um, getting awareness out there so that um, our doctors can make the best decisions for us and using my voice that way as well. And other than that, I just hang out and uh, enjoy life with all the grandkids and all that fun stuff. Awesome. Yeah. High five voice and awareness. Just a gentle (laughs) high five. (laughs) Dorothy, you've been on here before, but tell everybody what you do in case people are new. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, um, my name's Dorothy. I'm a film director and just a director of many visual things. Let's see, why am I on this podcast? Oh, I know. I've directed three horror films that we shot here in Nebraska. My first one was Wake the Witch. That ended up on Netflix. Boom. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those like early, like peak early, and then what happens? The rest of it's just been a spiral down. I was like, we did Blood Rights, then we've got Corruptor, but you could rent them all on Amazon Prime, literally, right now, if you wanted. I'm just saying. Yeah, what else have I done? Go to Web Amazon. Series, Absolutely. Corp, la, la, la. But yes, that's what I do. Direct horror. Thank you. Amazing. Do you guys have anything like new that you're working on that you want to share? Or um, I've got a short script that we are going to be casting this coming weekend. So... Um, Nice. That'll be part of Tingles Down Your Spine. So Very fun. I've seen yeah, that. Yeah. I'm just excited to have a short in each of the three segments. Mm-hmm. So that's, to me, it was really exciting to get that final script. Oh, yeah. You know, it was like, it's mine. It's my precious. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like represented in all three movies, which is awesome. I really wanted that. So mm-hmm. I was fighting for that last script to get oh, part yeah. of that last project because it was iffy there for a while. Yeah, things happen. You hear that, Matt? You cannot cut my film from the last segment. You cannot. Yeah, Matt, I know where you live, so just saying. Just throwing that out there. Dorothy, do you got anything that you're working on new? Yeah, I got hired to make a 20, 25-minute horror show for a guy out in Los Angeles who's putting together like a compilation or some kind of a thing. I'm not 100% sure. That's like classically me. I'm like, yeah, uh, sounds great. I'll make it. <laughs> it's supposed to be a monster sort of thing. And so I think I'm going to write a siege film. And I'm going to use like a super weird, not like your typical monster, like a, you know, like a werewolf or anything that's like large and 
I don't know, has legs. I think it's going to be more weird and kind of messed up. Okay, I think that's really, really important. Say that first bit again. You just got hired from someone in L.A., it sounds so fancy, doesn't it? Yeah, that is. That's fancy. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> that is huge yeah, for a female horror director from Nebraska. That is like enormous. Here's the thing that I'm going to tell you guys right now. You can say things like, I got hired by someone in L.A. How sweet is that? But if you dig into it deeper, maybe you'd be like, oh, that's not as impressive as I think. <laughs> so my point is, is like, yeah, let's just leave it at that. I feel really good about it. I'm super excited about it. Yep. We'll see like where it, it ends up. You know what I'm saying? It's about the marketing. You can yes. spend, you can yeah. spend however yes, you want. You're like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Awesome. Well, what drives you guys to horror? Like what kind of, why is that your thing? It might not be your total thing, but today it is. Cause that's what we're talking about. You're damn right it is today. <laughs> But Lisa, what is it? You know, the, I remember, I can tell you what I was wearing. And I was in grade school, but I went to a slumber party with a bunch of girls. And everybody was kind of giving up and crashing. And I came across this tattered book in a corner, and it happened to be Carrie. And I had never read anything like that in my life. And I sat there that night, everybody else is sleeping, and I'm with the flashlight in my sleeping bag. And I read that book from cover to cover. And one night while everybody else was sleeping. And that was my first exposure to horror. And I don't know, there's just something about it, about what happens inside your brain to get from point A to point B. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of been my, you know, good people do horrible things and think they're right. You know, so I just really was drawn to the genre because it was so different from anything else I'd read. And it made me think in a way that I'd never thought before. And I was hooked. And that was it. That was, I mean, it was such, and just for the record, I was wearing a uh, floor-length beige nightgown with lavender lace. (laughs) I mean, I know, I can tell you, my hair was in a ponytail. And I mean, it was so vivid to me that I can remember what I wore. And that is to me what, you know, if I can remember in that clarity, that moment when something switched on in my life, and I'm not young, so... You know, that many, 50 years later, to mm-hmm. remember it with that level of clarity, it was it was a really monumental moment in my life to be introduced to the genre. You hear that, Greg? We always give him crap because he has said that he was scarred because he went over to his friend's house and was exposed to a horror movie. I'm just saying it can be positive. So go to your sleepovers, expose yourself. Expose your friends to new things. <laughs> and Different it can, genre yeah, it can entirely. Awesome. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people's like introduction to horror is Stephen King, because that was what mine was, mm-hmm. too. It wasn't Carrie. I think it was Cujo. I feel like he's like the gatekeeper. He's like luring people in like, hey, it's not scary in here. It's fun. We're having a good time. <laughs> Or and conversely, maybe it's scary as fuck. You're still gonna love it, though. Yeah, never gonna be. I was never gonna let you go. Because my experience doesn't start with Stephen King, but I also have a Stephen King experience. The first Stephen King book that I ever read was Salem's Lot, and it scared the shit out of me. It scared me so bad that when I was done. I took the book, I went outside, and I threw it as far into the woods as I could throw it because I was pretty sure that what was in the book might come out as I slept at night in my bedroom. And I was like, I, I can't have that. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, for me, I would say I grew up in a fairly evangelical Christian household, and so I really believed in evil. That was a thing that we, you know, that you really just assumed walk the earth and could show up at any time and possess you or, you know, whatever. I didn't get to watch horror movies until I was probably, I don't know, maybe like a junior or senior in high school. But my parents really encouraged us to read. So I read a bunch and I read a lot of things I probably shouldn't have read. You know, parents, they're always like, oh, I feel like we're making a good decision here. We're going to protect our kids. We'll leave this door open. It's primarily educational and informational. All things can be hacked to the danger side. So I 100% did that. And for me, ultimately, we chose to make a horror film. My first film was horror because because of two things. One, there's a hardcore fantasy aspect to horror that I really like. I'm really drawn to that. And it's always, you know, sort of the, um, the stepsister to drama. I really like that, too. And you can make horror films for not a lot of money and people will still see them. 
marketing yeah. wise. Big thumbs up for that. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> what is there any women in horror that inspire you that really you're like, that's my girl? girl. I'm sitting across from her. I really am. Oh, my Lord. Uh, I'm not kidding. When I started out in the filmmaking, I mean, I was a screenwriter novelist. And, you know, the sky's the limit when you're writing spec films. You mm-hmm. can do whatever you want. And it wasn't until I came onto the cast of or the crew of Remission that I realized, you know, that people were making movies in Nebraska. And they were not only making movies, they were making movies that people were watching. You know, it wasn't just an effort in doing it to say you're doing it. People are, you know, they're, they're getting on Netflix and they're getting, I've watched Nailbiter on, you know, how many times on Chiller FX, you know, I mean, Nebraskans are making a difference. And so it gave me a different perspective. And I kind of love the challenges of the low budget thing, you know, not knowing necessarily what your location is and having to write your script to fit whatever's in front of you at the moment. And, you know, blessed enough to have worked with Patrick on Ghost Hunter, you know, I, I had no idea where we were going to film that thing until the day we showed up. So to see how you could, you know, take something and have a concept and have it come to, to life was just really, really exciting. But I first had the dream that I could do that sitting at Prairie Lights Film Festival watching your film. I thought, I can do this because I'm watching someone and I see her right in front of me. So, yeah, you, you honest to God, Dorothy, this is exciting for me to be able to work with you today. <laughs> I'm crazy flattered by that. And I am also really grateful to have had that opportunity. I've always looked for other women to inspire me as well. And just the, the thought that that might have been something I was able to do, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And that's that sincere. Me. I believe you. And that's why I feel awkward and, and embarrassed in a really good way. And so thank you for that. Yeah. You know, this sounds kind of disingenuous maybe, but it's kind of true is growing up in the eighties and watching horror films, the, the women in horror that I was really drawn to were a lot of those early final girls. Because that was kind of prior to the time where you really thought a lot about who was directing that and where can I see them? And so this sounds stupid, but one of my favorite horror movies that still holds true for me is the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And Nancy in that movie is my fucking jam. That girl, (laughs) grasp a reality, totally willing to grasp a fantasy that's happening as well, having a plan. She's a hero, like no doubt, completely. And uh, I rewatch that, I don't know, maybe every couple of years. I've done a couple of times where I'll sit down and like write out all the story beats. You know, you're trying to like infuse whatever it is that you're doing with work that you admire. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I do want to side note and say I remember seeing Remission and just being so blown away by it. That is, I think, one of the best films to come out of Nebraska. It's up there. With nail biters. I mean, and I'm talking to you, Josh, guy who likes to watch. And obviously, you know, you too, everybody that was involved in it. It was really enjoyable to see. Just beautifully cast and really strong writing. So, yeah, man. (laughs) That's how I like to end that. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Go ahead. No, that's awesome. And it's great that we have, you know, female filmmakers in Nebraska who are like out there and like screenwriters and everything that was with it, they're out there like kicking ass and taking names. It's like, go do it. Go blow this red state out of the water and get your shit together because we got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the last 10 years, what female creators do you think have really stood out in the horror world? Here's a crazy thing for me, and I apologize for this, is I just, I don't have, talk, talk to me about the ones that have stood out for you. That's what I want to start with. And then maybe I can jump off of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was thinking about Catherine Hardwick, right, after Twilight, which was such a shit show for her. And what I mean by that is people treated her like shit. Oh, yeah. She did fine work on that film. She 100% should have been hired back to do the other one. I I absolutely agree. fuck that. But she's gone on to do horror stuff. And I think that that's kick-ass. Or, like, I know Jodie Foster has done some Black Mirror shit. Black Mm -hmm. Mirror shit. Here's a just as a side note, I'll say one of the things that I feel like I've seen with horror more and more is it's moved away from that. What we certainly now see is just a trope of like teens getting killed in place, whatever that place is. Now it's like super more emotional than like real life where you're just like, oh, oh, my God, it's so real. And it's horror. I don't even know in some cases how to respond to that. I thought at some point you've watched enough horror that you're kind of immune to it. Like, oh, you just let the horror the violence wash over you. 
now I'm no. watching horror movies where I'm just like, I don't know if I can. It's almost too much. And I'm not talking about the blood and gore necessarily. I'm talking about the emotional mm-hmm. aspect. So, I think that is something that women in horror in general have brought to the table. It's yeah. not about, you know, I mean, I'm not a, really that drawn to slasher horror. It's just not my thing. To me, it's all about that psychological journey. You know, nobody gets up in the morning and decides that, you know, in my most uh, famous story that's not been adapted to film yet, Hollywood, listen up. Um, You know, what would get, nobody's going to get up in the morning and say feeding my boyfriend to a wood chipper while he's still alive is a good idea. But how do you get from the point that that is the only option you have left on the table? And that journey to me is where horror really lives. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in the theater watching Black Swan, you know, when it was nominated for all the Academy Awards and being blown away when the realization hit me halfway through the film. This is fucking horror. This is a horror film and yeah. it's, it's getting Oscars. And Natalie Portman in that role, she killed it. I mean, that was to me one of the most impactful things in the decade was when Black Swan brought horror to Academy level level mm-hmm. because otherwise it had been you know the redheaded stepchild um, <laughs> and I can say that as a proud redhead so you know it's but it was it was kind it of was. the the second rate if you can't make it in the real world you, I suppose you can do horror and instead we are seeing more enlightened even Stephen King's newer stuff mm-hmm. is really more about that core thing that lives in us as an evangelical background and I can totally relate to that. Um, you know, we had that drilled into us. That was part of it. And so to see that really come more mainstream, um, more acceptable and more accessible, I think has been a, a real shift in the last mm-hmm. decade. I'm personally more of a, I love my extreme horror. I want shit that you can like just barely ask legally download off the internet. <laughs> and I knew that about you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Your ability to like, yeah, you have a psychic shield and I would like some of that. (laughs) But that's kind of why I've loved the Sasuke sisters so much because they are a little more, they like that gore. They like that blood. They like that brutality. And I'm just like, yeah, bring that out and have women represent it because it's been such a sausage fest. Like the extreme horror genre is a sausage fest. It's fine whatever they know their audience they know what's going on and they make some amazing movies but i'm like no go out there and get it like make your snuff film honey like go do it (laughs) (laughs) that's my thing (laughs) here's a a random thing kind of to jump off of that is when i think of extreme like blood and gut scenarios i will think of some like early peter jackson stuff what is the one that he did with like the the infectious monkey that bites people and then everyone turns into zombies and there's like that? a lawnmower. Does anyone remember the lawn? What? Yeah. Dead alive. Yeah. It's not the, what I think of as the more realistic, like brutality and blood and guts, but holy shit. Is there like liquid all over the screen? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah. It's That's fun. Really fun. Yeah. It is fun. I like lawnmower deaths. They're fun. <laughs> What do you guys think of modern horror? We kind of touched on that a little bit, that you like that emotion and kind of more like it's not, you know, topless Susie running around getting stabbed by some big meathead. It's more emotional. It's more psychological. It's more intimate. Yeah, it is. weirds me out. So, like, I finally saw Midsummer, and uh, at first I walked away from it like, well, it's no big deal, and then had, like, the most nightmare-laden night of my life. To the point where I like woke up at five and was like, I have to get the fuck out of this house and go sleep somewhere else because I feel like something is coming and I don't want to be here when it gets here. That's part of my upbringing. So, but here's the thing that I thought was the craziest is when, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, like you should probably stop listening now. When it starts, you see this girl, this uh, woman who's living at home with her elderly parents and she has killed them. And she has killed herself in a super gross way. She's left the car running in the garage. She's run this nasty like hose pipe that's been duct taped that breaks off where she's like put it over there, her parents' faces. So they're breathing the exhaust fumes. And then she has done the same. And she's wearing like this reverse oxygen mask in this room. And she's, they're all dead. And it's, there was something so gross and real and 
honest in the idea of I'm taking care of my elderly parents at home. I don't know what I'm going to do. I wish I was dead. Maybe I wish they were dead too. That is so different from, we just came to camp to hang out and have sex. And then I don't know what's happening. We're all dying. Yeah. It's just like, whoa, holy shit. That's almost too real. Let me bring that horror too close to home. Damn. Yeah, it's scenarios you can picture yourself in instead of just like, because I rarely find myself topless in the woods. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Right. But I'm just saying that it's not a common thing. But we all, most of us have parents and we all face that. And we, hopefully that's not the path we all choose. But, you know, we... We you think about stuff like that, and that's that's a really good point because I have personally not loved modern horror just because I like a little fun, I like a little gore, right? But I think that is a good point. It's you're seeing scenarios more that you could realistically end up in. Yeah, yeah, and it's not the kind of thing where you can be yelling at the screen like, "Don't split up." Go in the other direction. Don't go down that hole. Don't take care of your elderly parents. Get a caretaker. You need some respite time. You know, no one's going to be yelling that. Yeah. What about you? You kind of touched on a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think that, like Dorothy, when I can picture myself in the shoes of the person that is on the screen, man, that shit comes home with you Mm -hmm. and it impacts you. You know, when you're still dreaming about it a week later or... You know, remembering it in vivid detail years later, that's the type of thing that I want to create. I want you to walk out of the movie theater and I want you to feel something. And if you don't, then I screwed up. I've done my job. You know, my job is to make you feel something. You may hate me. You may hate everything I stand for, but you fucking feel something when, you, when you're when you done reading one, one of my books or when you're done watching one of my movies. You damn well better feel something. Yeah. And if you didn't, then I need to start over. I need to trash it and do something different because... <laughs> That is my whole goal is I want you to feel something. No, I think that's I th- and I think the best filmmakers and screenwriters, they make you feel something. Might be irritation, it might be might be fear, might be despair. Yeah, it might be despair and that can be two sides of the coin. True. <laughs> I'm with you. I feel like some fun that sounds kind of weird in horror is definitely like more what I am interested in. But I will say this is also a thing like I watched the new Halloween and was like, boring. I'm sorry, but it was. It doesn't make me feel anything. And it also does not make me, you know, I, I'm certainly not scared. And I'm not even intrigued much. I have no despair either. It's like there's a weird aspect of some of that trope where the juice has all been squoze out of it. Yeah. I got to move on and find some other, you know, something other juicy to pick. What's probably been the movie that scared you guys like the most? Like your ultimate nightmare movie? Oh, my God. Go ahead. (laughs) Because of the setting, and I have to tell this story, I grew up in Nebraska City, and there was a drive-in movie theater, and it was right across the street from a cemetery. So I saw (laughs) the original uh, Night of the Living Dead sitting on a gravestone across from the theater, and you could hear it and see the screen perfectly. So uh, the police didn't like us, and, you know, they would kind of routinely make the lap through there, but, you know, we, we did our thing anyway. So, yeah, I watched the first uh, night, you know, Night of the Living Dead, the first zombie, the first real zombie movie, I think. And I saw it sitting on a gravestone, which is fucking scary as hell. And, of course, the dude, you know, Sandy, I love you, but your husband was a jerk. Um, you know, he kept coming up and scaring the crap out of us and stuff. And we were just convinced that, you know, something was going to come out of the dark and get us. And that was a rough week. I mean, I don't think I sleep. And another one I saw from the same vantage point involved a female protagonist. Could not tell you what the name of the film is. But what scared me the most about it was that the female character could have physically been me at age 30. And it was a mirror that broke. And anybody that the light of the mirror shone on was going to have, like, they were going to meet a bad demise. And you knew it. So it kind of had a slasher element. But it wasn't like a... Michael with a mask or a chainsaw, you know, it was random shit. Like a knife would just pick up off of a counter and just come flying across the room. So it wasn't something you could tangibly touch or kill. How do you combat that if it's just coming out of nowhere? So that film was really impactful for me. But those two are kind of tied as far as old school, you know, things that just really blew me out of the water and impacted me was that total unexpectedness 
of getting, you mm-hmm. know, and sometimes I think that's lacking in some of the stuff today. But I love that the drama and horror genres are merging more, you know, where it's more psychological horror than just, you know, like I said, I, I absolutely agree. The slasher stuff, unless you've really got a unique brand new take on the film it's been done and we're going to know that as an audience that your goal is to just kill everybody and what's the fun in that if you're only part of sitting through a movie is what one person's going to maybe walk out alive at the end it doesn't it just doesn't appeal to me then you know if you want to relive like your first experience there's a haunted house in elkhorn nebraska and they do it's called camp fear i think and you, uh, they have a big like drive-in movie screen, and you camp out there, and they have the actors like come and like freak you out during the movie and during the night. I've always wanted to do it because I think it's like just like the theaters in Texas that show Jaws, like in a well, everyone's sitting in a swimming pool. Like if you put yourself in that situation, like fear goes. Oh God, the roof. yeah, yeah. I also think you might stab one of the actors, but you know, (laughs) someone's like jumping out at your tent at night after you've watched like, even like something like Friday the 13th, you're probably going to pee. There's going to be a reaction (laughs) of some sort. Yeah. You're probably going to have a problem. What's your like scary movie then? One of the things that I think is really interesting about Lisa, your answer is that, you know, the things you can't stop. Like you can't, how do you prepare for them? Because I think a lot of times it's some, you know, you watch enough horror movies and you start going, oh, okay, like I get it. How are you not the victim? How can you survive? You know, there's certainly been studies or let's say sociological papers that have been written that talk about why we have such a, an addiction or an interest in horror films as, you know, are they sort of like survival? Is it like a, a safe, like danger room training space for us to feel fear within, you know, without actually being afraid that we're going to die. Because I feel very similar. The two films that have had the biggest impact on me are films where you cannot protect yourself from the thing that's coming. And one of those is Jaws. And I probably didn't see Jaws until like high school or, oh. or maybe even early college. Like, you know, I probably saw it on VHS. It scared me so bad that I literally still, when I am by myself in water, just swimming pool water, where there's no chance that there could be anything coming to get me. I will still every now and then be like, (laughs) like it's going to come through the drain. It's real. But the other film that scared the crap out of me was the American version of The Grudge. I don't know if you guys... Oh, I saw that. that, Right. I remember after seeing that, I went into it because I'd seen The Ring and I had gone to see it with friends and I was like, we're going to make fun of this the whole way through, which we kind of did, but it (laughs) trickled off towards the end where we were all like, oh, Jesus Christ, it is kind of scary. After that, I was like, we're going to go see The Grudge. We're going to do the same thing. That's how I'm going to approach this horror thing because I'm terrified. Like, I'm scared of the dark. We went and saw The Grudge and literally for the next month... As soon as the sun started to set, I could feel my entire like nervous system opening up and going, did you guys hear that? Was there? Wait, wait, wait. Seriously, did you hear that? Literal fear for a month after that. It's just a movie. Fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer was in it. I should have been. Like, <laughs> I know. It's fine. No, that little. <laughs> fuck. Fuck. I was that way after that mirror, that movie where the mirror was involved. I, I was in high school and I couldn't look in a mirror. I mean, I couldn't go to sleep unless I got up and covered the damn mirror. Cover the mirror up. Yeah. That is that fairy tale shit. Could, yeah. Something could come through. You don't know. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> you don't know how that shit is. Anything is possible. I know. I watch a lot of like true crime stuff and I watch a lot of like alien stuff. Oh, yeah. I know, like ninety percent of the time, I come on here and I was like, I was watching some like weird cult uh, documentary again, or (laughs) so I watch those like weird alien documentaries with people that you're like, who let you out of the house? And like, it's still even though I think those people are a little touched, it freaks me out because I'm like, I don't know, I have no idea. There's been no proof one way or another. It still bothers me. And you're right, because you're just like, you don't know. I don't know if I'm covering mirrors or, you know, doing, <laughs> looking at the night sky. Like, that whole drone thing over Lincoln, like, oh, yeah. freaked me out for no reason. Because I was just like, God, what if it is? I'm not ready to be probed. Like, I'm just <laughs> I'm not there yet. They'd probably give you a minute to get ready. But... <laughs> 
maybe a little maybe a little sedative maybe it's it's embarrassing to realize for me sometimes how tenuous my hold on reality really is you know like i think a lot of times we walk around you're like oh yeah you know i'm not gonna give in to some crazy fantasies i'm totally fine i know what's up but if you put me in a dark room by myself and created a scenario there is a 77.3 percent chance that i would immediately be like this is real And I will 100% accept the reality of this. Now, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah, no, I I like to think I don't let stuff get to me, but I do. Like, I walk my dog in a lot of, like, more remote places. If you see me, I look like a fucking owl because I'm just, like, especially after I've been watching some stupid serial killer thing. Because you're like, I know what can happen. Yeah, I know what can happen. monsters are out there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and, like, they're real life people it's not like i'm not afraid of someone like turning into a werewolf i'm afraid of them being like stabby mcgee over there it, or <laughs> yeah yeah it's bringing that real life horror into horror movies that's what fucks me up keep your mm-hmm. keep your jasons keep your michaels it's people like yeah, yeah. the fireflies that weird me out because i'm like other oh, i've met you <laughs> oh my god i've met you people <laughs> yeah that's I always think, and I don't know this for a fact, that that's kind of where like a lot of 70s horror got its kickoff. You know, it's like they were truly experiencing like serial killer scenarios in those late 60s, early 70s. They were making the news. Like, what's the one that uh, Patton Oswalt's first wife wrote that book about the something, the night, I don't know if it's called the Night Stalker. That's probably something else. Anyway, an actual guy who's planning these incredibly elaborate rapes that ultimately turned into rapes and murders. Maybe like a hundred people. I don't really have like a number in my head. That was a real life thing. People were terrified and they did not feel, they could not stop him. Just ponder that for a second. You're in a city the size of Lincoln. There is someone roaming the streets at night that is raping people that you know in houses right next to you. Sometimes he's killing them. The cops don't know who he is. No one can stop him. You don't know anything. That's a real life monster. Mm -hmm. So you see like all those serial killer movies, all that Jason, you know what I mean? It feels like it's taken to the, oh, such a huge degree. I'm sure in the 70s people were like, that's real. Oh, yeah. Jason's probably a real thing. Yeah. And now we're just like, oh, I don't, that would never happen. We have that in our state. I grew up hearing and knowing about the night or the the Starkweather rampage. Right. We kind of had that. And I I spent, when it happened... I was an RN and actually took care of people from the Rouleau cult, you know, and before, during and after it was a friend of mine who her boyfriend was digging the take it off a quarter of an inch at a time looking for that little five year old boy. This was real shit. And it was happening in my backyard by people that I had met and taken care of in the hospital. I mean, this. so yeah, did it impact me and what I think and how I act as a screenwriter and you know, novelist and filmmaker. Hell yes. Yeah. Because it's real shit that happened and it's, it's impact. I mean, with real people that I knew it's, it may, it's changed a lot in how I approach uh, horror. Definitely the uh, boys don't cry. That all happened in my backyard too. And I took care of and knew these people. I was a student at pre-state college. So these were, these were contemporaries of mine that were fucking dead, just gone, you know? Yeah. It's so weird how you can just be like connected to something and not really realize it that whole like six degrees of kevin bacon thing like it's not a joke no (laughs) that is very real yeah it totally is but and i still say that those type of events i mean the stark weather the real occult murders the whole tina brandon um transgender murders uh those things definitely primed my brain to get into the head of somebody that's making those decisions yeah God, some of them are on death row. They belong there. Yeah. Um, you know, but the Michael Ryans of the world and, and you know, the, they're out there. And, and like you said, the serial killers. Is it my next door neighbor? Is it Ted Bundy living next to me? We don't know. How do you stop it? So we write about the things that frighten us. Not everyone does that. But that's certainly the direction that I went when I think about horror. Oh, me too. Yeah. I think about the fantasy and I also think about how terrified I am. Probably just not in general, like walking around like in fear for my life. But, you know, give me a hot second. And if it's dark or if I feel threatened, oh, yeah, my reality changes 100%. Do you think we're different in that respect because we're women? Because I do. 
I think that there's a fear level that I can go to that Patrick couldn't. I think that's valid because like I've had this conversation with my boyfriend a million times because I am so like when I go out in public, I am so in tune to people acting nuts. Like if someone over here were in Walmart and someone over here is just being weird, I focus on that person. My boyfriend has no idea. He has no idea because he's like never felt that like I'm out at like 2 a.m. walking home from the bar and I hear someone behind me. Because my boyfriend's like six feet tall. Right. He doesn't. He, yeah. He has no idea. Kicks him ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you're, yeah, I am like five, three. I'm very portable. So it's just kind of You're like, just constantly clocking threats. Yeah. I a hundred percent get that. You know, Margaret Atwood said men's greatest fear is that women will laugh at them. And women's greatest fear is that men will kill them. And those two fears probably have the same weight. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Both of them. But Jesus Christ. I don't know if I would say the reason that I'm drawn to horror is is because I am a woman necessarily. Darkness attracts me and I'm terrified of it. Yeah. But, you know, the women aspect of constantly understanding what it's like to be threat assessing afraid yeah, and, and assessing your you know, yeah. those threats. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm sure it weighs into it. Yeah, I can think of like the scariest point in my life in a second. I was a park ranger. And one of the things I did was I, you know, checked out the bathrooms and cleaned them. You have to go into the guy's bathroom. So I would, I was in the park and I was kind of doing something. I noticed this guy go into the bathroom. Didn't really see him come out, but didn't really think about it. I'm not sitting there watching the men's bathroom. But I went in, banged on the door and was like, hey, park maintenance. Didn't hear anything. Go in. And I walked in and I could tell there was someone still in that bathroom. They were trying really hard, like, to do that, like, quiet breathe thing that I'm like, it doesn't work in here. But I was freaked out beyond all rhyme and reason. I just remember standing there and thinking, if I take, like, three more steps, I'm going to get, like, raped. And that, like, scared me so bad. Like, I just remember going out and sitting in my truck crying because I was so freaked out. I was thinking, like, holy crap. Do guys have to deal with this? They don't ever like walk into the women's bathroom and maybe hear someone in there and think, I'm going to get killed today. This could be my last day. I will be harmed. Something is going to harm me. Yeah. Like in like a very, very personal way. Yeah. Like who thinks of that? I feel like maybe not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. There's Uh, probably some guy out there that does, but what else? Yeah. Kind of going off of that. Do you think movies that are based like solely on real life events like they all draw inspiration from stuff but like let's say they made a movie about like the serial killer is real keys you guys think that's like respectful to the victims or not like making something that drawing entertainment off of something that was so horrible and so real for so many people i kind of walk that line i don't know what your guys's like thoughts on that are i think the danger with that stuff is that And this is super fucked up, but I'll just say it. There's a titillation factor. You know, that male-female energy when it comes together, and if you wanted to take it to some super primal bullshit place, you'd be like predator-prey. And there's a lot of stuff that is based around that. And there's aspects of it that are sexy. And there's aspects of it that are darker. And then there's aspects of it that are not right at all. And I feel like that's just a constant, you know what I mean, of our society kind of... Shades of gray danger that we run into. I don't think it's right. That's me. But I'm not, you know what I mean, protesting it. I don't want to watch it. Yeah. What do you think? That's kind of me too. I have a hard time based on life experiences. Um, I remember having to write a report for sociology on the burning bed. And it was too close to home. So my report was all about my physical reaction and my emotional reaction. Like physically having to get up and pacing the room and... And it was on live TV. It was not like it's going to be showing tonight and you have to watch this and you have to write the report and you have to have it in on Monday. So, you know, I was like, and this was before VCRs even. So, you know, it wasn't like I had any choice but to force myself to watch that show. But it was so freaking close to what I was, you know, what I had experienced that my paper was all about, you know, the, how I had to, at this point in the movie, physically get up and leave the room and went and threw up that significant of a response to and yeah did i feel something oh yeah uh was it the worst experience in my life at that point to have to being forced to endure that movie was almost a horror in and of itself 
And that's what I wrote the whole paper about because I could not have told you one plot point from the movie. It was Farrah Fawcett and what, Tommy Lee Jones, I think. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but I mean, I know it was Farrah Fawcett and I remember her like hiding in her mother-in-law's underneath the sink. And her mother-in-law did nothing to stop him from dragging her out of there and beating her, you know? And, and, and again, it's that whole mental thing. If she got pushed to the point where her only option was to kill him by burning him in his bed, you know, I mean, and it was, it was really a traumatic thing for me, but it was based on a true story and somebody lived through that and somebody was brave enough to bring that role in an, you know, it was Farrah Fawcett's heyday. So it was her being really unglamorous and bringing life to that person. And I was not seeing Farrah Fawcett in the, the red swimsuit when I watched that movie. I was watching a woman being systematically abused and victimized. And it resonated with me in a way that, um, unfortunately, I still feel sometimes in films that women's, the things that make us female are being used as weapons against us. Yeah. That idea of, yeah, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, that's another, yeah, powerful thing. How do you make those decisions when you are watching things that are based very specifically on real life? I have no problem with movies that are based off true events loosely, but like just in the last couple of years, they made that Ted Bundy movie. Yep. I kind of thought that was a little tacky, especially like I know he was supposed to be like that was his so many people's downfall is that he was your regular attractive right. white male and but i don't know i just didn't like that they were portraying him as like this sex symbol and then there were so many like thirsty people on like social media and stuff like talking about it and i was like this is kind of gross guys like i couldn't imagine if like my sister was killed oh my and god and they were like right? and oh. they were like oh he was killed by this hot man i would probably cry in like, like a horrible oh, yeah. way yeah not that's... just like and i shot her with a gun like a super horrible personal up in your face way yeah it's different it's totally different so i don't know i think there is such a fine line that you have to walk between being respectful and like bringing things to light because i think a lot of those movies like bring some element of like hey personal safety is super important and i think that's something that should be pushed but at the same time as you said like i couldn't imagine if i was affected by that and seeing something like that and then as i said got on twitter and everyone was like damn ted bundy you can put me in your beetle anytime yeah (laughs) yeah you say that now but (laughs) that's gross (laughs) that's the real horror right there (laughs) take note it is so yeah do you think women are well represented in horror either on or off screen well, we sure do. Women sure do get killed a lot in horror. Is that being well represented? <laughs> I, don't I would know. say more and more now. There's definitely there's a lot more agency. I feel like in women who are in horror films, those characters have a lot more agency than they used to. But in terms of the creative behind the scenes, name one um, other than Charlize Theron playing. What's her name? Uh, I cannot. Yeah, yeah I cannot Eileen pronounce Warner. her last I, name. Yeah, Eileen Warners. And going there, I mean, but how many female serial killers have you heard of? Well, let's say serial killers aside, just yeah. women represented in horror films in general. Um, yeah, other than victims, I right. I really have made it kind of my mission, and um, particularly, I don't want to give away endings, but one of my shorts, I've really tried to uh, make it more about female empowerment. And instead of, you know, really trying to take it someplace where instead of being just the standard victim, what you expect, part of my, you know, part of my emphasis is, you know, going to be, no, she's going to defeat or going to change it up and not be the victim where, where you're the whole time thinking, oh, how's she going to die? You know, and, and then, no, that's not where I'm going at all. And I think maybe that's something as a woman I bring that's totally different to the scene than maybe if uh, Patrick or, jo- or Josh had written it. Well, I think the final girl, you know, as that really came to be a trope that everyone started understanding. Do you remember when people started using the phrase final girl? Mm-hmm. What was that like? Do you remember? Um, I think that was more of like an 80s thing and I'm a 90s baby. So like, I don't remember. I could tell you in the 80s, no one knew <laughs> what the phrase final girl meant. Okay. But in the 90s. In the 90s, yeah. 90s, yeah. Because yeah. it had been around long enough. You know, we'd seen enough of them that we got that. People started putting that together. It was like yeah. a thing that they talked about. Yeah. And so now, of course, a final girl feels a lot different. What's that? The rise of um, Leslie Vernon. You guys ever see that? Yeah. I love that movie so much. It's like a beautiful, you know, kind of twist on all of those tropes. 
and the final girl in that it has so much i don't know i don't know if you'd really call it agency but there's a lot of awareness about what she is and what she's doing so do you think if they started making more female killers would that kind of shift the shift that weight a little bit i would love to see someone do something where it was a believable female killer that's the key it's got to be believable Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i just think right now i don't know how would you the films that you've watched are there female killers in in those i feel like you've seen like a deeper darker scenario um american mary yeah um that's the only one i can kind of think of off the top of my head the only other one i could think of was maybe martyrs but there wasn't a killer in that there was just yeah there were just evil women kind of running around but they weren't killers they were just kind of like part of it's like suspiria right you know like those women are evil and they're kind of killers but they're just killing other women so yeah as you said it has to be believable like you can't have like a female Jason. I don't really. I just that. don't even see. <laughs> and see, that's the key is because they roll off of that masculine versus feminine energy. Right. How do you flip a script like that where it doesn't just feel like bullshit? That's the key. Yeah. Is to make it seem realistic to an audience. And, and you don't know that until you sit in the audience as, you know, and that's one thing, kind of just being the screenwriter. You're more visible as the director. But I love just sitting in the audience and watching the audience react and hoping that they're gasping at the right places, laughing at the right places, and then talking to them afterwards and seeing what they took away from it. And until that happens, you really don't know if you've got it or not. I would say to some degree that that's why we're seeing a more a focus on more intimate, like interrelationships that are horrifying because they're just like with Midsummer, clearly that woman killed both of her parents. Yeah. And it was a kickoff to the rest of the horror. I mean, that's like a, just a tiny piece of what ultimately happens there. I, I don't just, think we could just flip that that Jason to versus the killer script. What yeah. were you going to say? I was going to say that movie Audition, I think, oh. would be the only like movie that kind of has like... Ma- but that, I don't think that's a slasher. That's more of a... That's more extreme. But you have that True. relationship there. And I think that's the only way you could have like a typical average female that people would relate... These don't relate to people like that, but <laughs> that people that are almost Believe. kind of believable yeah. that you could like a woman could overpower like a guy is if he drugs. was. Yeah. Dr- yeah. Drugs Drugged, or drugged. Yeah. Yes. Or something like that, because as I said, I'm five, three. I don't think I could run down the street and stab people. Maybe. Maybe get once. Their, get their ankles. Get away with it. <laughs> get their surprise. Surprise attack. Right. With because horror is moving more to like that like emotional place, do you what do you think that holds for like women in horror? Well, I think like Lisa said earlier, it becomes more dramatic, and I would say this is just a broad stroke about women. It's not true, obviously, just as a stereotype. We think about the inner relationships between people a lot. That's part of our survival technique. That's how Mm -hmm. we understand what's happening both socially and physically in a space where we are. So we are, I mean, incredibly well-trained, I think, already to start writing about the horrors that can happen in our inner relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think? I absolutely agree. I think that the, the kind of blurring of the line between horror and drama has opened up uh, certainly meteor roles for actresses. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, Potentially more empowering roles, too. Instead of just knowing you're going to go on a horror set and play a victim, or assuming when you show up that you're going to be a victim, that you suddenly become in a powerful position, um, or that you're more directing your own, you're, you're more an agent in your own destiny. And I think that we are seeing that represented on the screen, and that's shaping us as a population. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think that, um, yeah, horror can actually, believe it or not, um, empower women to instead of accepting that, you know, we're going to be cast as the victims in life and going to constantly have to look over our shoulders at five foot three, you know, not weighing yeah. a whole lot, you know, that um, we're more agents in our own future and controlling our own destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, you have some like pockets that have like, I think more because there's a line for me between like empowered female characters and just like batshit nuts ones. Like I was just thinking of the movie, uh, the loved ones. Yeah. Like that woman, the girl, younger girl in there, 
Have you guys seen that? I haven't okay, seen it. No, I've great, seen something else. Great Australian horror. Little twisted, but it's horror. It's Australian. But, yeah, yes. it's Australia and they're mm-hmm. they're yeah. breathing some fumes down there, whatever they're doing. But um the character is nuts. She isn't I I'm, I'm like, but she knows what she wants, so you're kinda like, Do I cheer for you or like what do I do? And I feel like that's kind of a lot of women who are in like more dramatic roles kind of portrayed as a little crazy and i'm like i mean i don't care if i'm like labeled as a little crazy but like that's not how i want (laughs) representation up on the screen is someone who's nuts although i don't know like you have like patrick bateman he's a strong character but he's nuts so it's kind of like i don't know I feel like you give and take a little bit. You're like, well, and I, I think guess. some of that, though, is exploring that line. There's clearly identifiable as nuts. And then there's what we define as sane, but there's that gray zone of uh, where do you fit in this? And we yeah. all live in the gray zone. We I'm do. sorry. We really do. <laughs> Everybody who thinks you're, you're, you're clear over the green, you're deluded. You have that darkness in you and you can either embrace it and decide how it's going to dictate your life or you can let it control you. So, you know, that's something every every one of us faces every day. You know, you get mad at your spouse, you don't just knock him in the head. Um, that seems like a normal statement, but society tells us that it's dead wrong. Yeah. So, you know, and that can go for female attacking males as much as the other way. So, you know, but every one of us has to make that decision every day. You know, when your kid screws up, are you going to beat the shit out of them or are you going to guide them in a different way? And that's, that darkness lives in us. So... You know, I think that's why horror has an appeal to us, because we all face that every single day. You know, have I made this decision for the right reasons? Do I need to go make amends to somebody because, oops, I blew it, you know, and it, that's all living in the gray zone. Oh, I get it. I mean, I don't know if I'm just like labeling myself here, but there have been times where I've been out and thought, like, God, I would just really like to punch you in the throat. <laughs> but I don't. I write a script or a book. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you just go and channel it somewhere else. I'll admit there have been times where I've been out and I'm just like, come at me, because if you come at me right now, I'm fucking ready. <laughs> I will not hold back and I will not be scared. That's, I would say, maybe uh, 2% of a time I might be out and about. Most of the time I'm like, dude, just fucking leave me alone. Yeah. Like my, yeah. my personal hero is that woman who she was taking like self-defense classes and some guy tried to attack her in the bathroom when she was jogging out in the park. And she beat the shit out of him and was screaming, not today, motherfucker. And I'm just like, yes, Yes. you're my hero. (laughs) Preach, girl. Here's the thing I think, though, is kind of fascinating. If you're going to make a horror film, people got to get killed and there has to be some fear attached to that. Where does that leave opportunities for women? If you are if we have final girls become much stronger, read the newer Halloween. It just becomes kind of like a weird action movie. Which I'm not that much about. I mean, if I want to see an action movie starring women, I want to go somewhere. I'll watch a Marvel movie. I want to see the new Black Widow. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, I want to see Black Widow. Yeah. But if people are going to get killed, can can we flip the script in the more and more horrifying, terrible ways? Because horror is not meant to be... eh, It's always supposed to leave you maybe with a little... Certainly, if not, just straight up fear. And like, oh, fuck, I don't know if I could survive that. Maybe also some nausea, like, oh, why did I see that? Yeah, my favorite horror movies, I feel like I have to shower after. And that's what I want. I can see that that (laughs) my favorite horror movies are probably the ones where I've walked away going, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, that's affecting me. It stayed with me. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know. Yeah, I want the ones that I'm going to remember a year from now. I may not be able to recall the name of the film. I may not be able to recall anybody who was in it. But there's some scene or there's something about it that's going to stick with me. Yeah. And change maybe who I am inside as a result. Because to some degree as creators, it's our job to be responsible for the requirements of the genre. Right? You're always kind of pushing to make, you know, your own personal artistic statement and vision. But if you're not going to make a horror, if you're going to make something and just call it a horror film, I don't know Mm. if that doesn't seem really cool, man. No. No, I agree. Whatever. As like the you know, the stewards of the genre yeah. for young women who are entering that horror space. Do you have any advice for them or like, what would you say to someone who is like, I want to be a horror creator and no matter what that is, um, an actress, a director, a screenwriter, what advice would you give them? Well, gosh, we have been ingrained from birth about these acceptable roles in society. 
And so if you're going to get into horror, you need to be willing to challenge those acceptable roles in society and do it in a meaningful way. Like, you know, like I said, I'm not into horror that's just out to titillate. Um, I'm not into the slasher, which trying to figure out early in the movie which one is going to be the last girl standing, you know. I want something that's going to stick with someone. So as an actress, whether you're, or, you know, and if you're a screenwriter, filmmaker, director, whatever, uh, again, you have to be true to the genre and respect the history. And, you know, if I'm going to a horror, I know there are certain expectations that I have. You better scare me at least once or I'm going to walk out of there and trash you. I'm sorry. You know, if there's no fear involved, then you did not hit the mark as far as having a horror film. But I want it to be relatable, too. So mm-hmm. I would say be real. Look inside yourself. It's there. We have been taught by society it's inappropriate. We can't express it. You have to shove it down. You have to repress it. You have to be the perfect female at all times. And that's just not realistic. So embracing the part of us that men have had the freedom to go there for years, you know, and and through cinematic history, we can do that too. But you have to be willing to take the risk to go there. So how, how how far out are you willing to go? How far are you willing to push it? And that's something that every person has to... Um, answer for themselves. Dorothy? I would say if a woman came to me and said, I want to be a horror creator, I would have to assume at the gate that she already is a huge horror fan. So other than, yeah, saying be true to the genre and certainly write what you know, but through the lens of a horror genre, I think the whole, yeah, much like what Lisa said, the whole next step is finding people that will support you and will give you space to to speak and to make decisions. And if you can't find them, then fucking figure out how to start doing it on your own. Because whoever you are, male or female, you deserve the oppor- to give yourself the opportunity to create. Not everybody gets a team. And I'm not saying it's a bad or good thing. I'm just saying sometimes it just doesn't happen for you. Don't ever let that be the reason that you don't do a thing you wanted to do. You can shoot a 4K film today on your iPhone. I'm not it's even It's more accessible to, than it's ever been I'm for people to become filmmakers. Across across that board. Do the thing. Yeah. Just, do the thing. Just do it. Do the damn thing. Yeah. Hell yeah. We've kind of been ignoring our chat over there. Do we have any questions or anything, Patrick? We'll let you guys talk for a second, I guess. La, la, oh, la. sorry. Not so much a lot of input. We got people, you know, signing in and out saying that, you know, they're going to come back to it because they're really liking the discussion so far. Uh, so they're going to come back to the video. Matt Keister joined on for a little bit. And he and I actually wrote down things at the same time. Dorothy, you had referred to uh, the term final girl. It was yeah. actually coined by Carol Clover in 1992 in her book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws. Nice. So if you have an Lovely. opportunity to read that book, it's really, really engaging when it comes to looking at the roles of women and men in the horror genre. And this was written back in 1992, 93 was when it was published. Uh, Carol Clover has done a really, really good job of identifying the patriarchy. Uh, the book you referred to with Patton Oswalt's wife. Oh, yeah. Michelle McNamara. Yes. The book was called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. So if you want to go back and... I read that, P.S. It's fucking amazing. And read that. But otherwise, you know, Matt has made... If you want to go back and look at the video chat along here, Matt has made several comments about... We love uh, you, Matt. Yeah, about some references to books or things you can read uh, supporting what you've been talking about on the podcast so far. Sweet. Thanks, Matt. Thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. We love you. We appreciate that. Before you turn that off, Patrick, uh, Josh, do you guys have any questions or anything you want to jump on with? Josh, Josh seems to be enjoying the conversation. Yeah, okay. <laughs> over there. For me, and, and I know we skipped over a few of these questions, but there's one that, that I kind of want to ask, and we touched on it just ever so briefly. Has the Me Too movement impacted the horror genre? That's too early to tell. Yeah, I think it's too I, early I to tell I if do the too. Me Too movement has it truly impacted anything. Has it opened, you know, raised some awareness? Yeah, but will that awareness stay? I don't know. You know, this isn't horror related, but... Certainly, like, when it came to Captain Marvel and uh, what else did I see recently? Anyway, the idea of, hey, if it's a it's a movie about a woman, well, let's have a lady, a lady director. Oh, could we also have, like, a female screenwriter? Because, you know, there had certainly been a time, uh, maybe, like, seven years ago, where they were like, it's, we don't need that. 
I can write for women. And now it's like, well, well, maybe we should let women have their voice here, which that is a very kind thing. And I appreciate that because that's like weird for dudes to let yeah. go of some yeah. of that power, man. It's hard. I don't know if I'd want to give that power up. So props. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't think I could write for a male. So it's just kind of yes, like, why? Go ahead. I mean, I probably could. But... You totally could. <laughs> you totally could. I don't mean that in an offensive way. If guys can write for girls, girls can definitely write for guys. Yeah. 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 We're not that deep. Okay. Yeah. But there's a level of reality testing. I mean, I, I have a trusted group of uh, people that write, read anything I write before it ever, ever hits, mm-hmm. you know, going to anybody else. And I trust them to tell me if my voice is wrong and to make those characters real or to give me that male insight that I just simply cannot have because I'm never going to, in the same way that I am never going to understand what it's like to be a black person. I am never going to understand what it's like to be a man. Yeah. I have beautiful grandchildren of color. And, you know, I will never understand their experience. I could be their grandma, but I can't. I can't. Here's the thing I think that's fascinating about that is you look at the Wachowski sisters. They used to be brothers. Now they're sisters. The thing I find the most fascinating about that is they're both filmmakers at a really high level. They started at guys. Now they're girls. I've wondered if, A, that has impacted now that they are gender changed, the opportunities that they're getting or the way people perceive them or if those lucky motherfuckers, having started as guys, get to come in and still reap all the benefits of seeing being seen as dudes, as now as women. And I'll be honest, this sounds terrible, but I sure don't mean it to be. I'm jealous of that. If I could create an alter ego that was a guy that I could put forward in social scenarios and then gather... What sometimes does feel like a bias or a perspective that goes, no, it seems more acceptable to me. I want to deal with that. And then later go, surprise, but I'm also a girl. And them just being like, oh, you, all right, that's fine. Yeah. That would be great. So when you say it's hard for you to imagine what it's like to be a guy, I don't believe that that's true. You could literally gender change tomorrow if you wanted to, and you'd be a dude. Reverse is also true. We feel like it's so different. Is it? I don't know. And is it like what people are feeling are different or what they're being perceived as is different? Being raised as a guy and then becoming a woman, does that make you a different kind of woman? And is the reverse also true? Yeah, it's got to be. So is there like a whole new set of of guys that are coming up that were women earlier and now they're not? And so, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We just go, oh, those gender differences. Like, I'll never be able to imagine what your brain is really like, how that perception is. I don't know. And then how much of it is political correctness just gone freaking insane? Yeah. We just we, we've carried that. political correctness to the point that people are afraid to express themselves. And that's probably one of the reasons that people are drawn to horror, because in in the horror genre, it's part of your job to to destroy all of those preconceived, you know, to tackle yeah. those exact issues. There's yeah. a violence to that. I agree. That's a yeah. really good point. Yeah. I feel horror is like the one genre that doesn't really have rules. You can do whatever you want. And everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Was there blood? Yes, there was. Yeah. Sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay with this. <laughs> Did I kill somebody? Oh, I killed everybody. Okay, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Real. Well, is there anything else you guys want to add or? I was going to say, I actually do want to ask one more question. And what do you think the future holds for women in horror? Do you mean like female characters in the horror genre or do you mean women making horror or both? Yes. Thank you. (laughs) That would be both. I want some female studio execs. I want to see what that changes in the film landscape and the TV landscape. I think the avenues for us as far as um, creating horror in Nebraska and getting uh, distribution in a meaningful way beyond just the film festival scene that we see is exploding. There are opportunities today that did not exist five years ago with Hulu and Amazon creating. All these people are creating original content. You know, Picard is only on CBS All Access. These these venues have opened up the world to us as creators. It's up to us to give content to fill those holes. So um, it's it's a wonderful time to be a woman in filmmaking, period. And it's, it's us, it's up to us to grab it and not let go. I agree. I think, um, in terms of the generation that's coming up of women and the horror movies that they will make. Yeah. There'll be a lot more access across the board. 
And I will be fascinated to see what kind of horror they're going to be making and what the next trend after this intimate trend will be. Mm-hmm. Also, if we can just make it by the coronavirus without everyone dying, <laughs> yeah. I guess then we'll really see what's going to happen. I'm just waiting for the coronavirus movie. Like, Why like, is that? <laughs> not, yeah, someone's making it right now, don't you think? Yeah. Someone's like writing a, like it. Like a, very a Sharknado yeah. scenario. Yeah. yeah, somebody's doing it. It's going to be on sci-fi at like some weird weird time weird kitschy time yeah. i feel like do you guys remember that um pandemic movie that had kate Winslet, matt damon oh, it's in it oh it was maybe like three or four years ago same thing like virus jumps from an animal to in china it's suddenly mm-hmm. like across the yeah. scenario terrifying yeah i was thinking of the dustin hoffman outbreak, outbreak yeah yes. oh, send God. the monkey find the monkey or we don't have a cure <laughs> so real well, thank you guys so, so much. This has been an amazing afternoon, an amazing conversation, and I appreciate both of you and what you guys are doing for this, my favorite genre, represent. <laughs> represent. <laughs> represent. Bet. For everyone out there listening, we hope you've enjoyed this. Stay bloody. Uh, wear those ovaries proud today because <laughs> it is the last day of Women in Horror Month. We hope you're celebrating. Thank you very much, everybody. Uterus, unite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Woo-hoo. <laughs>